Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. All right, well, we'll try, we'll try a different way. We'll just put it in the side. Okay, hey, I, I have the privilege of speaking to you today from God's word, and this is, a, this is a message that just the Lord put on my heart a couple weeks ago, and, um, and I'm excited about it. And so, who, who here is thankful for God's word? Are you thankful for God's word today? You know what? The more, I, the more I read God's word, the more I see how applicable it is to your life, to my life. Um, uh, when, we, when we study it, the Bible talks about um, not just a not just reading it, but meditating on it, by digesting it. I ingest the word of God and my, how I think begins to change, how I look at the world around me begins to change. I begin to change and I begin to come more like Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you today, if you don't have a time where you spend time in God's word, make a time every day. It doesn't have to be four hours. In fact, it probably shouldn't be because you can't retain all of that. But maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes, I've been doing this thing where I've been reading through the Bible in 90 days and it's, and it's been fun because, because I, I read some chapters every day and I'm at the end of Genesis and reading about uh, Joseph and man, what a guy, you know, what a man of God. Uh, I, can't, I can't imagine going through what he went through and, 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 and allowing God to use me in, in, in all that he used him to do. And so get in God's word, it'll encourage you. Man, I was reading stuff this week that was pumping me up and I was sitting in my room, I was like, yes, God, do that in me. I want you to work in me like that. And so get in God's word. Hey, I have a message for you this morning. Um, it's called... Don't sit down. You can sit. You can stay seated. But don't sit down. And I'll, t- <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what I'm talking about in a second. Uh, don't sit down. Uh, usually I have an inspirational story or a funny anecdote or something. to, But I don't have time for that this morning because I have some scripture to read with you. And so the past couple weeks I was thinking about a topic that I really haven't heard a ton of talking about in church. We talk about it some, but it is the... The word resilience, the word resilience means to keep continuing after hardship, fall, mistake, to get back up. And I was just thinking these past couple weeks uh, about getting back up. So many people who I've been talking to in the past couple weeks were discouraged. I find myself at times discouraged, questioning God. God, why why, why did you allow this to happen? Lord, what is happening with this situation, with this relationship? I don't understand. I feel discouraged. Maybe you're just straight up going through a bunch of problems today. Maybe there's just a lot of problems in your life and you feel like it's just one thing after another and as soon as you get through the one thing, it's the next thing and you just feel discouraged. You just feel like you need God's help today and you're discouraged while you don't see your your prayers being answered. I just wanna encourage you today. Don't sit down. I want to read you some scriptures, scripture, scriptures this morning. And I had this thought. You know, sometimes I think what happens with us as believers, 
I, I didn't pray. I need to pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room. God, I pray that you'll take my words, and Lord, you'll give me your words. They won't be mine, but God, I pray that you'll speak your word through me, God, to your people. I pray that, um, God, you will cause all of us here to leave differently today, and I thank you that when we hear from your word, we are changed because your word doesn't return void. So, Lord, we ask that it goes out and does what it's supposed to do today, which is to change us at our very core, in our hearts, and our desires. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um... You know, some of the most motivational stories that we hear about those who have stumbled and who get up. But I want to encourage you about something today. Uh, I don't think, and I was praying about this, and I think the Lord showed this to me, and, and I did some study. There's this, there's this we, we have this term falling that we use. In the Bible, fa- the word falling is mostly used for falling away. And so we talk about these words backsliding and falling away and And I believe as I read scripture that the enemy can't make that decision for you. That the enemy can't make you fall away from God. Because in God there's always mercy, there's always forgiveness, there's always restoration, and there's always healing in your relationship with God. That's what there always is. And so the enemy can't drag you away from the family of God. But the only thing he can do is discourage you and shame you and put you down enough to the point where you decide to sit down. I can't do it anymore. Have you ever been there? I've done this so many times and I've prayed, God, take this out of my life and I just keep messing up and I just can't continue following God because I know he's angry with me and I know he couldn't forgive me. Or I can't be a follower of God because every time, every time I follow God, things start happening wrong in my life and it's too much. I can't do this. And the only thing the enemy can do in your life is tempt you to sin, to put up a block between you and God, and discourage you to the point where you sit down and stop. That's the only thing he can do to you. He can't drag you away from God's family. He can't take you out of the family of God. He can't send you to hell. The only person who chooses to hell is the one who doesn't believe in Jesus. It's a choice today. I believe that firmly that the enemy can't make you fall away. I want to show you some verses about the mercy of God today in Psalm 103. I love this. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so is his mercy towards those who fear him. I love that those verses go before this. As far as the east is from the west, I want to remind you, that is not a destination, that is a direction. I don't know which way east and west is, but they're opposite, and they are two different eternal directions. As far as that way is from that way, that's how far God has removed your transgressions from you. The things that transgressions and iniquities are different in the Bible. Iniquity is my state of sinfulness. Transgression is my willful choice to, uh, to choose to sin. And so sometimes we think, well, I know I'm a sinner and God can forgive me for that. But can he forgive the times where I've known not to do wrong and still stepped and said, I'm going to do it. He says, as far as that way is from that way. That's how far the times you chose to, in my face, say, I'm not going to listen to you. I have removed your transgressions from you. Look at this. This is the verses I wanted to get to. Verse 13. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. So you may today feel shame for stumbling, for being at a place where you're discouraged of the things you've done, the place you are, your, your past. But I just want to say to you today and remind you that the Lord's so merciful that he knows that you're weak. Does that encourage you today? That he remembers your frame, that you're made from dust. That he created you, but you're not 
You're not all powerful, eternal. He knows that you're weak. And so today he pities you. He feels for you. And that's not a pity as in a, 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 a sorrowful thing, but he feels you. He, he, he knows your pain and he also has forgiven everything that you've done wrong. And so I just wanna to say to you today as we start this message, don't hold yourself in unforgiveness for something that God's already forgiven you for. I've known too many people for too many years who have held unforgiveness against themselves for things that God forgave decades ago. They say, I just don't know if God can forgive. No, 1 John 1, 9 says that he has forgiven when you've confessed and he's faithful and he's just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. And so today at the beginning of this, if you're holding yourself in unforgiveness for something that you have asked God for forgiveness for, you need to let it go today because it's gone. The only thing that the enemy can do is keep reminding you about it and discouraging you and it's not even there anymore, but he gets you to sit down, to stop following and so I'm really convinced today that, he, that the enemy can't do anything to you except tempt you and cause you to, to be discouraged and shamed enough to where you just stop following God. I'm just gonna sit down, I quit. It's too hard, it's too much, I've done too much, I've failed too much. But I wanna read you two verses this morning that I found encouraging this week. Psalm 37, 24 says this. Though they stumble, they will never fall. And can you be encouraged today? Though you might be tripping along the way, you might be tripping after God, you might be stumbling after the paths of the Lord, man, you are not gonna fall. You are gonna get up each time, why? Because the enemy can't make you fall away. I mean, the enemy can just put roadblocks and things in your way to try to get you to stop and try to get you to stumble, but it says you will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. I love this, don't you? That as, you, know, you ever, you ever uh, walked a child before, you know, and... and, and and their, their step isn't quite as high as yours, and, and they're stumbling, and, but, but their parent, right, lift, I've seen parents like lift their child over things, right, right, there's obstacles in the road, right, lift them up, and, right, I could just see this, the Lord as, as a father pities his children, whoa, okay, we're going to skip you over that one, right, <laughs> man, he holds you by your hand. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, for a righteous man may fall, that word is, is also translated stumble, it's not talking about fall away, it's talking about to stumble. For a righteous man or woman may fall or stumble seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. And so today, if you're a follower of Jesus, the enemy cannot make you fall, he can only put things in your life to cause you to stumble, because how many of you know when you're following after Jesus, that he has you by the hand. If your heart is towards him, he, he, he'll forgive you, he'll restore you, he'll heal you. And so today, the only thing that the enemy can make you do is sit down. Can convince you enough in your mind to where you've done too many things wrong, you're alone, you're broken, you're unrepairable, you're, you're unfixable, you're shameful, your past is too much. It could get you to sit down. And today I just felt to encourage you, don't sit down, don't sit down. And I had, a, I had a story, but I was going to talk about Joseph, but, but I instead I feel like the Holy Spirit asking me to do this. That I have three different things today. I'm sure there might be a few more, but three different things that the enemy can use in your life to cause you to sit down. And I'm going to use a different story for each one of them and, and talk about just a few minutes of each of them. But maybe you identify yourself in one of these today. Maybe you identify in two or maybe you're... Maybe you're all three person today. Maybe you're like, yeah, that's me. Oh, that's me. That's me too. Okay, maybe, maybe you're all three today. But, but I want to just share three things that the enemy can use in your life to cause you to sit down. The first one is this, and I'm going to read scriptures, is 
just problems, just trials and problems. How many of you thought when you started following Jesus that life would be easier? <laughs> you thought that? Little did you know, one week in, started getting worse. <laughs> and I was like, man, man, there's all this opposition. There's all these things going wrong. I thought when I started following Jesus, life would be a bed of roses. But now I find out that life is life. And there's problems. And now not only do I have problems in my own life, but now there's this, this guy who's mad that I'm following Jesus and I have opposition spiritually. And so it's like, what is going on, right? And so you, the enemy can, can start to mess with your mind, start to tell you, man, this, there's these problems. And if God loved you, would you be going through this? Sit down. Man, that's not a God I want to follow. I want to read you some scriptures this morning in 2 Corinthians. Paul he started the Corinthian church, is talking to the Corinthians, and he's saying to them, because they kind of want to quit. They got problems. Maybe they thought like you thought and I thought that when I followed Jesus, problems would be over, but they realized, man, I still got problems. And Paul starts expressing the problems that he's gone through. And I don't know about you, but I read this verse and I was convicted about complaining about my problems, just honestly with you this morning. These are real problems. Uh, look at this, verse 25. I'll start in verse 23, actually. Uh, um, in labors, I'm more abundant. In stripes above measure. He says he's beat, been beaten too much to count. I've never been beaten because of my relationship with Jesus. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. I won't even explain that, but that's a horrible thing. Uh, three times, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in peril of waters, in peril of robbers, I've never been robbed before, in peril of my own countrymen, in peril of the Gentiles, in peril uh, in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Basically he's saying, I got more problems than you, in coldness and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? Am I, do I not burn with indignation? Paul is like, yo, you are stumbling. I stumble too. I got as many problems with you. In fact, they're actually way more than yours. <laughs> he says this, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. And then he goes on to say how he escaped through Damascus through a wall. But I want to read you something he reads later to the Roman church. Something that doesn't sound like the same guy. Because Paul had problems. You ever been shipwrecked before? I've not. <laughs> I've never been. Never spent a night in the, in the cold water. Never been beaten with rods. I've never been whipped. Never been. I mean, i got problems, but not like this. But Romans 5 verses 3 and 4 say this. It says, not only that, but we also glory in problems. Tribulations is problems. Tribulations is the church word for just problems. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. What is perseverance? The ability to get back up and keep going. And perseverance produces character. What is character? When it becomes part of my identity. Man, I'm somebody who keeps going. 
And what does character produce? It produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. But the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So Paul says, I got problems. I got more problems than you, but I'm not gonna let it make me sit down. I wanna share with you what I think the lie of the enemy to you today is for your problems. The enemy says this, sit down, because if God really loved you, none of this would be happening to you. That's what he says. But God says this today, get up, I'm with you. I'm gonna use this to refine you. I'm gonna use this to produce fruit in your life. Get up, don't sit down. And so, so the first one today is problems. If you feel like you have problems today, you can know that. We all do. And you, and you will continue to. But don't sit down because of problems. Get up. Because God is using the problems in your life to refine you. To produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. So today, if you've got problems, you just say, God, I'm not sitting down because of these problems. I'm not stopping following you. You're good. You're for me. You're with me. You're going you're gonna to bring me through this thing. I believe you. I believe that even though this might be tough, that I, this might be hard, man, you're going to bring me through. You've never failed me yet. You've never left me before. You're with me. And so the first one today that the enemy can try to use you to cause you to sit down is, is your problems. The second one is this, is I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me to speak about causing you to sit down because of isolation. I just want to remind you of, of a couple of verses in Proverbs 11. It says this, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude, multitude of counselors, there's safety. You know, God has created the church as a place where you're not isolated, where there's people around you to encourage you, love you, lift you up. If you feel isolated, get more plugged in, get involved, find people to befriend, find people to build relationships with, uh, find people who love Jesus to make community with because you are not called to be isolated. Because it says in isolation, where there's no counsel, the people fall. Let me just share with you a quick story this morning about this guy named Elijah. He's a prophet in Israel. And he's being persecuted by these two, this king and queen named Ahab and Jezebel. They're the kings of Israel at the time, the, the leaders of Israel. And it says that they don't serve God, but they serve this idol Baal, who's a false god. In 1 Kings 16, it actually says this. This is, pretty, this is pretty heavy stuff. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel that were before him. That's like pretty serious. He was like, it's saying he was the worst. First Kings 17, what happens is Elijah prophesies about, because, of the, because of the, God can't continue to bless Ahab in his leadership over Israel, he brings a drought and a famine. And so, uh, and so we see in 1 Kings, that happens. There's a drought over the land of Israel. And all of a sudden, um, we have the story of Eli Elijah being provided, by, provided for by this widow and God's provision in the midst of that. But 1 Kings 18.1 says this, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain. And so what happens is Elijah goes to present himself to Ahab, the man who's been trying to execute him because he's a servant of God. And what's been happening is Jezebel has been executing the prophets of God. And Elijah is afraid to go, but God says, go see Ahab. And so Elijah goes to the king. 
In 1 Kings 18, it says this in verse 17, then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab had said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Verse 18, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baal. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's, Jezebel's table. We're not gonna read this story today, but maybe you know the story in 1 Kings 18 where Elijah goes and he does this test before all these 800 prophets, 900 prophets, 450 times two is 900. For 900 prophets and he, he, he sacrifices and, and he says, hey, if your God is God, tell him to call down call down fire on the sacrifice and they're there all day and it says they're dancing and carrying on and nothing happens and Elijah says pour water on this thing and they do and like the fire of God comes and consumes it and then Elijah goes and kills all the prophets of Baal it's pretty intense anyways this is where we are in first kings 18 after that happens is the land of Israel's beginning to be cleansed it says this in, in in verse 45 now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain so Ahab rose and went to Jezreel, verse 46, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. What happens is there's this rainstorm that comes that finishes the drought and Elijah gets up, it says the spirit of God comes on him and he begins running. How about you? I don't know how fast chariots go but I would assume it's probably like, you know, 45, you think? I don't know. 45 into 55, it's like he starts running and it says he outruns the chariot. He begins to run because of the spirit of God. But I wanna show you what happens in 1 Kings 19. He feels isolated. In verse one it says, and Abraham, Abraham, Ahab, not Abraham and not Abraham, Ahab and Jezebel, all that, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Elijah's gotta run. And when he saw that he arose, this is Elijah, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went about a day's journey into the wilderness and came and he sat down. He was running He was running in the direction of God, doing amazing things, winning victories for his kingdom at the hand of God's spirit. And then he gets to a place where he, he's all alone and he, and he's tired and he sits down under a broom tree and look what the stuff he begins to say. And he prayed that he might die. No, no, you just heard what happened in first Kings 16 and 17, right? God's turning this country around. God's using his prophet uh, Elijah to, to, to rid themselves of the prophets of Baal and Asherah and there's rain again, there's no more famine and, and, and Elijah though has to go and run and it says he sits down by himself and he starts to think these crazy thoughts. He starts to think, um, it's enough. Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's starts to go into a state of depression and really desire to not live any longer. I just wanna show you some things that I began to see in this that these thoughts start to happen when he is tired, weak, and alone. 
You know, the enemy's gonna come after you not when you're at church, maybe he will, but not when you're surrounded by people who love you and love Jesus, not when you're being encouraged by your wife or your, your, your family or bothered by your kids. I don't know, I'm just kidding. But by people who love you, when, he's gonna come after you when you are alone. When you're isolated and tired and weak is the time where he comes for your mind. And he says, this is too much. Man, it'd be better if you weren't even doing this. Maybe even hear, maybe some of you have heard or are hearing the lie. It'd be better if you weren't even around. You're not any good to this situation. You don't belong here. Why don't you just leave? Why don't you just end it all? And that's what the enemy does in isolation. It says in verse 5, Then as he lay and slept under a a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. (laughs) You know, sometimes, I know this isn't in my sermon, but honestly, sometimes to get your head straight, you just need to rest. You just need to stop running as hard as you've been running. Your work's been too hard. You've You've been getting isolated. You've been getting out of church and people of God don't have an ear, don't have a voice in your life. You just need to stop. You just need to sit down, lay down, rest, and eat. And it says in verse six, uh, it says that he looked and there was by his head a cake. He didn't even make a reach for it. It was like right here. It was caked on a bake of coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he laid down again. Can you say amen for that Sunday afternoon nap in Jesus' name? And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat again. I love it. You see, Jesus is into seconds. Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. I just want to say to you, sometimes this journey God has called you to is too big for you. You're running and you're trying and you're, and you're stumbling and, and it's too much. You're tired and you're isolated because you're so busy. But he says this, he says, uh, so he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. Verse nine, and he went into the cave and spent the night in that place and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I'm gonna skip these verses because of time, but basically God says, I'm here for you. I'm with you, not alone. But the thing I wanna show you in verse 14 is this. Verse 13, God asks again, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, look at the isolation that Elijah's going through. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Kind of little... A little blame on God. God, this is, I'm serving you, and I'm all alone, I'm doing this, and, and, and they're trying to kill me now, and I'm alone, and I'm tired, and I'm weak, and I ain't 40 days ago, I appreciate it, but I'm tired. And, and, and verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria, Leadership change is happening. Verse 16. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, you've heard of Elisha before. Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Glad that's not my name. Of Abel Moloha. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. Because you need to rest. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. But look at this. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What God is saying is, Elijah, you may feel isolated, alone, and tired, 
But there's others out there who love me just like you do. And I'm raising them up in your life and I'm surrounding you with them and I'm gonna bring you to them and I'm gonna use them in my country to do my work. And so today, if you feel isolated, you can be encouraged today that you're not alone. I know that this is the purpose of why we gather here today is we are not alone in our following of God. You're not alone today. If you feel alone, uh, get, get unalone. Find people who will pray with you. Find people who will minister to you, eat with you, love you. And, and, and I pray though those people are right here sitting in this room and we can serve one another and pray for one another and, and love one another and be there for each other. And when we come to places where we feel isolated, alone, hungry, tired, we're not in the place where we are going solo and the thoughts begin to swirl of, you don't belong anywhere. You don't have anybody on your side, anybody with you. Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just sit down? Stop following God. You're alone. So the enemy says this to you, sit down, you're alone. But God says, get up, you're not alone. I'm with you and I'll surround you with those who will strengthen you and encourage you. So today you can know that isolation has no place in your life. God's with you. He loves you. He's for you. He's, he's on your side. If you feel alone today, if you feel like quitting because you just feel like, man, there's nobody around me with me, God's with you. And you begin to pray. You begin to make friends with people who love God. And that feeling of isolation and desire to quit or desire to not go after God because you're alone will begin to dissipate. I promise you. And the enemy won't be able to have the same stronghold in your mind because you're surrounded with people who are speaking in your ear God's word. And you go through problems, you start to think crazy thoughts like God's left you and this is too much and this is the end. You have people speaking God's word saying, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that's what he says. Start singing songs like Waymaker, Miracle. And he's like, oh, okay, right, he is a miracle. He's done this before, he's worked miracles, right? Okay, (laughs) I wanna finish with one more. And I think this is probably the biggest one that will cause you to try, the enemy will use you to sit down as personal failure. I messed up. I did it again. I did it again and again. I just want to remind you of the story of Peter real quick this morning. We're just going to take seven minutes, maybe ten, and we're on time. Uh, The story of Peter this morning. Peter is a fisherman. Nobody special, remember? The blue-collar worker. He's like a construction worker, basically, in our society. He's got nothing that would separate him that Jesus would look at and say, I need that guy. But Jesus knows the call on Peter's life, what he's called him to do. And so he calls him from the boat, and and Peter says yes, and he follows him. And so Jesus begins on on this three-and-a-half-year journey, begins to tell Peter of the call that he sees in him. And even when Peter doesn't see it in himself, and He's kind of he's one of those guys, anybody one of these who just says whatever comes to their mind, you that person today, you just say whatever like, crosses your mind. Peter's that guy, right? He's always like having to say like, sorry, like I didn't think that through, right? Just kind of said that. So that's Peter, right? He's kind of a wreck sometimes, but he loves Jesus and he's following Jesus and he stumbles for sure, but God won't let him fall. But look at this in Matthew 16, God, Jesus begins to speak identity into his future and his call. And so he says, uh, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Wow. God said to you, man, I'm going to build my church on you. Changes your name from Simon to Peter. I think this is funny. I'll tell you real quick. Peter wasn't a name back, I mean, uh, Peter is Pedros for rock, right? So, so his name was Simon. That was like being called John. That was a common name. Nobody was named Peter. 
That was literally like me calling you rock or stone. So Peter gives him this nickname of what he's called his identity is in the future, and he starts calling him rock. And everybody's like, well, yo, that's weird. Why are you calling this guy rock? And Jesus is because uh, I'm going to build on this one. And so and then it's, he, he gives him a call. And you know what happens. Jesus is hated by the Jews. He's executed. He's, he's brought to this trial, this false trial, where he is uh, it's about to be killed. And verse 22 um, Excuse me, Luke twenty two thirty one 31 says this, the Lord said to Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, see, Peter, I don't know if he really listened, but Jesus even told him what he was about to do. When you've stumbled, or when you get back up, strengthen your brethren. He said to him in, 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 his, you know, in his usual way of not usually thinking what he says. He says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. But he said, I tell you, Peter, that the rooster will crow this day three times and you will deny that you know me. And so verse 54 says this, having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. This is Jesus. But Peter followed at a distance and when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, they sat down together. Peter sat among them. A certain servant girl, seeing that he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was with him also. But he denied him, saying, woman, I don't know him. He begins to deny that he ever knows Jesus, the same one who has called him to lead his church. And after a little while, another saw him, said, you are one of them. But he said, man, I'm not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was speaking, the roaster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. It's like, Jesus told me what I was going to do. Jesus told me that I was going to sin. Like I even knew about it, and I still went and did it. And it says that he, after he denied Christ, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. He is so broken at his personal failure. He messed up, and God even told me that I was going to do it, and I still do it. You ever feel like that? Man, I knew, I knew that this was going to happen. I even, the Lord warned me not to go to that place, warned me about this relationship, warned me about this thing, and I didn't listen, and it happened. And I don't even know what to do. And it says he goes out and he weeps bitterly. What happens is Jesus is crucified. And, 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 and we know on the third day that he rises and he appears to his disciples. But I find this so interesting that on the day that Jesus is risen, he appears to his disciples and Peter's, Peter's there. Peter knows that Jesus is there. But Peter thinks he's off the team because of his failure. Peter thinks that his call is done. Remember, the call is that he was going to lead the church. Man, my, my name is a mockery now. Maybe he tried to change it back to Simon. Because it's like, man, God named me Peter because I was supposed to be the rock that he built his church on. But I messed up, and I think I'm off the team. And the enemy's going to get you to try to believe that you can sit down because you've messed up to the point where God's call can no longer be fulfilled in your life. I want to show you just a few more verses. Verse John 21, 1 through 3. Um, Actually, I want to I start in verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, um, and his, the sons of Zebedee, two others, the disciples were together. Verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They know Jesus is alive, 
but they say, there's no place for us on the team anymore. Peter says, I messed up too bad. My failure is too great. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm sitting down. There's no more following Jesus. I'm just gonna go fish because that's what I'm comfortable with doing. You know, the enemy's gonna get in your mind and try to get you to believe that because of the things that you've done wrong, that you're off God's team, that that the personal failure is too great, and that you just probably should sit on the bench because God doesn't have a place for you on the field anymore. But I just wanna end with this in John 21. In verse 15, it says this. So when they had eaten breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, I love that he uses both of his names, accepting his past, projecting his future. Yeah, there's parts of me who are still here, but I'm still walking towards what God has called me to be. Simon Peter, he says, Simon, begins to call out the old part of his life. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Inevitably, he's not talking about the disciples, he's looking at the fish that they've caught. You love me more than your past life? Simon! Do you love me more than who you used to be? He said to him, Lord, you you know that I love you. Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. He's restoring the call that Peter thought he had dashed to pieces. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. This is killing him inside because he knows where Jesus is going. He's going to say it three times. And it says, he said to him, tend my sheep. We don't have time to get into all the original wording, but there's different shades of meaning here, but we'll do that another time. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The lie of the enemy today is this. Sit down. You've gone too far and you are beyond repair. But God says to you, get up. I gave my life so you can be forgiven, restored, set free, and used in my kingdom. Can you say amen today and thank God that that, that there's no personal failure that can keep you from his love? Kyle, if you could come and play. If you could just play for the next few moments. And and, and just these three things, I felt like the Holy Spirit asking me to bring to you today to encourage you. Don't sit down because of problems. Because it feels like, man, if God was with me, man, none of this would be happening. I know it. And God's like, no, let me use this to refine you, to produce in you something that if there were no problems, that you wouldn't have otherwise. God's using your problems to to produce something in the inside of your life. So just allow it to happen. Don't sit down because of it. Keep going. Keep following God. And if you feel alone today, man, weird stuff happens when you're alone. Get out of being alone. Find people to pray with you. Our pastors will pray with you. There's people in your life who will minister to you. If you're struggling with an addiction, with a problem, and there's people who will stand with you, who will get you help. Don't, don't be alone. And sure, don't let the enemy tell you you're alone in this. There's nobody else. He'll try to tell you there's nobody else in the world who's going through this like you are. And you can't tell anybody about it because they'll be ashamed of you. Don't let that happen. Because the only thing that maintains shame is isolation. The the enemy can keep you in the dark. He knows he can keep you ashamed. But if you bring what's really going on to the light, he knows that his work is done. Because God always restores, always forgives, always heals. So don't let isolation cause you to sit down. Stop following God. And for sure, don't let things that you've struggled with, that you've asked for forgiveness for, that maybe you're still working through, that you're asking God to help you with, personal failures, things that you've done 
and you thought you'd never do before. Again, sorry, you'd never do it again. And you did it again. You're just to the place where you think, I quit. I'm going fishing. Can't do it anymore. I've tried. I really wanted to. It's too much. Don't let the enemy tell you to sit down because God's plan is still real over your life. God's plan is still for you. Still thinks thoughts about you. Still has good for you. So don't quit. Don't stop. Don't sit down. So today, just as we end here this morning, if any one of these is you or if you just want to come pray, I just, I'm just going to call you to the altar. If you want to stand up real quick, if you'd stand this morning, I'm going to pray. And then if you want to come to the altar, we're just going to spend a few minutes here asking God, God, we don't want to sit down. We want to run after you. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I thank you that they're purposed by you, called by you, loved by you, and they're here for a purpose today. So Lord, we thank you, God, for your word, how it encourages us. God, I thank you that you've called us today to get up. Lord, if we've been sitting down, if we've laid down, if we're tired, if we're weak, if we're isolated, if we're shamed because of personal failure, if we're alone, God, if we're, if we're tired of problems, God, today we commit to not sitting down, but getting up. And Lord, we might be stumbling, but Lord, we're stumbling towards you and you're holding us by the hand. So God, we thank you today. God, you're with us. Lord, we're not perfect, but you know we're not perfect and you still love us. So God, we're, we're here today asking for grace, Lord, to stand and to continue walking after you, to continue pursuing your love, to continue going after your call. And I just feel to say here today, God, I believe God's restoring some of those who felt that their call was over felt that their purpose was over because you either got distracted or you failed and God's saying no 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 you don't get to determine when when the end is I get to determine when it's over and I say it's not over today I say your call isn't over today I say your purpose hasn't ended you're still on the team get out on the field start to play again <laughs> so today God we just we give our past to you we give our present to you and we give our future to you. And we say, we're not gonna sit down. We're not gonna quit. We're gonna keep following you because you're holding our hand. Right now, just if, if you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you today, I wanna I want just ask if you come forward and, and we're just gonna spend a few moments in prayer. The Holy Spirit's here and maybe you feel like, man, I wanna come forward and just ask that God would give me grace to continue running after him. Come on, if you wanna come to the front, please do we want to ask you to just respond this morning and the Holy Spirit's here I feel him right now he's gripping your heart you're going to say today man I want to give myself more to Jesus I want to run after him harder I want to go after him in a, in a greater way he's here to meet you today